ready for this. I got one thing to say. Uh... just happened to be the greatest wrestling machine alive. It's all here. What a mega matchup. Universal Wrestling Podcast. I like this kind of party, baby. back to the Universal Wrestling Podcast. My name is Nick Dieterding. On this episode, I welcome former WWE creative writer Andrew Goldstein and Kyle from the Apron Bump Podcast. Now, we did record this interview in April, so we do talk a little bit about this past WrestleMania, but most of the conversation is about Andrew's WWE career. Let's get to part one of two. Part two will drop next week. Again, thank you for tuning in. Here's the interview. Yes, sir. So what's good, man? How you been? You were on vacation. Where'd you go? I've kind of curtailed my uh, wrestling podcasting and and, uh, wrestling viewing, though I still do uh, watch a bunch, but it's been a busy four years. And um, most recently, yeah, we went to Jamaica. Nice. First normal thing we did. And then we all got sick when we got back and then the basement thing happened. And so, and then Jewish holidays, I used to be like the easiest person to book on a podcast and now all of a sudden (laughs) I've become like the most difficult diva. So I appreciate your your patience. We were supposed to preview WrestleMania. Then we were like, let's read WrestleMania. And now we're like a month away. Now WrestleMania was like, let's get into it. WrestleMania. Did you watch both nights? I did. Yeah. No, uh, WrestleMania was cool, man. Um, leaps and bounds better than the quarantine, you know, Thunderdome WrestleMania yeah. with the theatrical oh, yeah. matches and, and stuff like that. And um, it was just sort of the return to what the grant, you know, the grandeur and the spectacle that WrestleMania deserves after what are we at WrestleMania? They're in our, we're, you know, 38 Eight? years Is in. It? I guess yeah. 38. Doing it and, and so uh, it just felt like WrestleMania. And I thought they yeah, most- like the entertainment aspect, you know? Absolutely. I thought they yeah. over-delivered. Obviously, spreading it out over two nights feels cool. It's not this slog that WrestleMania was for like a decade of like, you know, the six-hour show. I've said so many times the last 12, 15 years, like they don't do plot at WrestleMania. And, you know, they actually did some plot this year, which was cool, you know, that the Cody moment and uh, the whole, you know, bloodline and everything like there were some some legit like like real nuancey plot. So I I enjoyed it. And um, the Cody stuff lived up to the hype. You know, everybody knew it was happening and it still was like, you know, like a holy shit moment, you know, to see that they gave him his full aid, you know, his full american nightmare presentation it it felt like aj styles when aj styles um debuted at the rumble and you got his name was aj styles you got phenomenal one it wasn't this like wink wink we know you know who he is but we're gonna call him something different it was like oh this is this is our guy cody rhodes but now he's he's this mature you know top baby face and uh we're gonna do the music and we're gonna do the entrance we're gonna have him in the robe and we're gonna have him you know reference his father 
and not shy away from all that. Like all that stuff that they do with so many other, um, um, they just, you know, they made the easy decision, which was like, go with what's working. So I, I was, I was a big fan of that moment. I, and then, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, I, I just thought Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville was like Mount Rushmore of celebrity matches in, in 38 years of WrestleMania. That match, that was so much fun. I didn't roll my eyes once. Hilarious. I was like off my couch. Like it really was amazing. Like shout out to Sami Zayn to like buy in and do that and protect all those guys and and be the butt of the joke. So like from the entertainment mainstream crossover matches to like the real deal serious wrestling wrestling. Wrestling. With entertainment. I mean, I, I thought it was one of the best wrestlemanias in in a very long time i mean i dig it too even the whole mousetrap botch i didn't care because the match was so entertaining we already had so much fun didn't it in with with jackass and their whole like presence is like yeah they fuck up sometimes it's it's supposed to be silly you're not supposed to take it seriously so even the fuck ups like even like added to the match personally it was great i I loved it i thought i was perfect that was great and then and then we were you know you're burying the lead i mean austin and kevin owens like shout out to kevin owens but dude these guys re-signed with the company for this reason yeah and it's like you know to really like galaxy brain it to like deep think it it's like this is what happens when you show loyalty to vince right you put in your years, you do your bets, you sit, you, you go through the bad storylines, you get your, you have your championship run, you have your comedy storylines, you have your sort of like, you're going to lose in your hometown, you're, they're going to shit all over you, they're going to not, they're going to break you down, build you back up a million times. And then when it comes time to show your loyalty, these guys did. And, yeah. and how were they rewarded? They were reward. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Owens was rewarded with the match that everybody in wrestling has wanted for the last 16 years or whatever it was. And he got to wrestle Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then on the other side, you know, you had Sami Zayn, another guy who, who has been through the, the ringer in terms of WWE's booking. And he was in this match that made Sami Zayn a giant crossover star. Andrew. Who the hell are you? Wrestling fan since 1986. Um, Orndorff turning on Hogan on WWF Superstars was sort of my whole, my um, the moment that hooked me. And and um, since 86, I've just been I just have not been able to quit wrestling. And then in 2006, so like what is that? 20, 30 year, 30 years. Um, almost to the day I get hired to uh, write and produce for WWE. So that was cool. Yeah. Uh, did that for almost a year, mostly on the SmackDown brand, but you know, all three brands at the time we had ECW. And from there, just sort of, you know, as, as like when I left the company, the sort of internet was blown up and it became like, you know, podcasts and internet shows and blogs and all that stuff and so I, then i got heavy into sort of wrestling criticism and and um just you know a wrestling fan for almost for 35 plus years nice yeah you, so you said you were, you were mainly smackdown correct when you were a writer yeah i mean i was assigned to smackdown and that was like my those were the media you know like that those were the shows i wrote but then you know you get to tv and you're working on raw you're working on ecw and everything like that but yeah SmackDown. i was on the smackdown brand so at that time you're talking about book king booker right yes um you're talking about 
um, Chavo and Benoit and Finley and Ray and and Mr. Kennedy and MVP Mm -hmm. and um, Regal and Taylor and Eminem and London and Kendrick. I I name all the tag teams because that was sort of my... um, yeah, my uh, assignment was sort of I was in charge of the tag teams, and so like um, Casey and Idol, if you remember those dudes, um, right? And but originally I was hired because I had MTV on my resume. Oh, they had just trend. They had just sort of um, transitioned Miz into a. Basically, they wanted they took Miz out from tough enough and brought him over and they basically wanted to use him to host the diva search competition on smackdown so they hired yes. me originally to produce the miz on the diva search on smackdown and then obviously you know immediately i was just a writer on the show it wasn't just but yeah. that, that i think that was my shoe in to get the job so what I'm hearing is that you're the reason that Miz is such a big star today. You you were the rocket ship that sent him to the moon. I take all credit. No, I, yeah. honestly, if you ever go back and watch Miz in 2006, he goes from the dude hosting the Diva Search to literally the last match he wrestled before I left. I mean, again, not taking any credit. I'm just saying in my like eight months, the yeah. progression of where you know what Miz did, he wrestled that beat the clock challenge with the Undertaker and took him to the limit right. and i had this and i was just like oh oh my god holy shit like the miz what a coming out and then you know like i got fired and i left but then to see miz stay with the company all the, again another guy be overly rewarded for his loyalty i mean that dude doesn't miss a day he's the guy on the no. show he's the promotional juggernaut you know he's the guy that gets the the spinoff on on bravo or on e sorry i just look at miz and i just you know he, I'm so proud. I mean, he's in, he's the top five heel in the in the business today. Yeah. Did you did you see it at him in the beginning? Because you were there right from his start. Did you know? Did you are you surprised that he became the big star that he is today? I can't tell you that I saw what he's become in terms of like a former world champion, beat yeah. John Cena at WrestleMania, and, you know, Mister Crossover, and you know the whole deal, and you know, reality. But you could tell that he wanted it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even with his faux hawk and his terrible he, shorts. You know, we were yeah. insulated. We were so insulated from like the ribbing that he was getting and like the, the legendary stories of oh, the chicken. Yeah. Him out of the locker room. Like we didn't see any of that, but like you hear about it and you know that like he's not, um, be, you know, coming. He doesn't have like the most respect in the locker room and he just showed up every week. And like I said, within eight months, he was in that beat the clock challenge and he went to, and he took Undertaker to the limit yeah. and, and he like debuted that, that sort of um, clothesline in the corner where he run, you know, his running clothesline where he clotheslines through. And we all kind of just looked at each other like, yo, Miss is kind of dope. <laughs> <laughs> like he just, I love it. With, he just hung with the Undertaker and it was kind of like, you know, yeah. Yeah, so you wrote for Miz or with Miz? More so like produced those. It You know, at that point, the Diva Search was it were like interstitials during SmackDown. So got it, got those it. the segments I was um, assigned to originally. I, it was most, it was less working with Miz and more working with the Divas. Got it. And tag teams right. too, you said. And tag teams. That was my yeah. assignment. So I would call, we would write the show and then I would 
have, they were on my call list. So I would call all the tag teams and tell them what they were doing at TV. And then when I got to TV and everything changed, I'd have to go and run and find them and, and sort of tell them what they were doing. Famously, you know, on that note, you know, in 2006, there was the, I'm not the guy who can remember what pay-per-view was things happened. That's you have to like go and do your research, but there was was the pay-per-view where um, a bunch of superstars popped a like elevated enzymes thing and they were off, (laughs) you know, like Kali and Bobby Lashley and they had to rejigger the whole pay-per-view. Right. As like a make good for all the people who bought the pay-per-view back when pay-per-views were still pay-per-views yeah premium (laughs) michael hayes like put together the lat the 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 triple threat tag team ladder match with regal and taylor who again two old yeah british guys who like Mm -hmm. know nothing about eminem and i believe london and kendrick and it's the match where um Joey Mercury takes the ladder to the face and it's oh uh, yeah yeah like the, Hardy, the Hardys the Hardys were involved as well I believe uh, yeah, Armageddon like- Armageddon 2000 that's actually low key one of my favorite pay per views of all time wow look what we got here I'm the so- wrestling nerd man I'll there you go. we need a guy like you always so that's the match where Mercury where um, Mercury famously his his like mm-hmm. face slices yeah in. but I tell that story because I was the one who had to go who had to sort of go up to Regal and Taylor and be like, uh, guys, here's the deal. <laughs> you guys are now booked in a la- in a triple threat ladder match. And, the- and Regal was like, uh, um, uh, okay, well. You got your bloody mind? It- well, no, he was, you know, he's the most polite guy. And he's like, well, okay, of course, we'll, uh, we'll figure out what to do. Yeah. And, uh, he takes poor- it as like a challenge. Yeah. And those poor guys, I mean, it's like, you know, you're putting two classic, British, you know, yeah. gentlemen in this match. With, with, uh, <laughs> I remember even in the match, they're like, they're like timidly climbing the ladder. Exactly. Like, I don't, even, I don't exactly. think they got above the second step. And they could get like mean. So it, it yeah. just is one of those things that sticks out in my mind. Like the, the like business that you have to do in that job. Yeah. Like, guys, oh, I'm sorry, Michael, you know, Freebird just yeah. booked this match and it's on the card and uh, you have to be in a ladder match in two hours. And they're like, what? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I've had uh, Chris Sutton on the show a few times and we talk back and forth. We're actually having, you know, we're, uh, it's like a charity, 10 week charity for yeah, leukemia. You guys yeah. are doing awesome. You guys are getting good gas. You guys are crushing it. Yeah, buddy. Don't spoil it. If you've heard it, don't spoil it. The rock. Yes. Dwayne's coming next on week. next week. <laughs> but what I was, tr- what I was getting at is he's really close friends with our truth. So funny is um, I always look at these dudes that come out now and they're like, they have this whole arsenal of friends. Like, you know, like Kaz comes out and he's doing Wally Mania and he's like best friends at the New Day and 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 uh, everything. You know, Dunn comes out and he's he still has like an established relationship with our truth. Yeah, and, uh, man, I just and and then you know I hear all these other stories of of uh, on podcasts and stuff and I'm just like, wow, that just was not my experience at all. But yeah. I will say, years later. I re-established with MVP and now we're super buds, but MV, I did, I wrote a lot of, again, you have to understand I was like 25. I had no business. I had no confidence. I had no business in that job. You know, I say all the time, if I got it 10 years later, I'd probably still be there, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I was not a memorable 
uh, member of, of the creative team, but, um, MVP and I struck up a friendship, um, that to this day. And then Mark Henry, who, crazy. who was simply, who was sort of, um, briefly retired at the moment. So I didn't, didn't work with him, but years later through Rosenberg and, and, and stuff, I became really good friend. And now Mark is like a guy that I talk, you know, like we talk about our families and we talk all the time yeah. and I tried to make TV shows for him. And so I would say like coming out of it, no, but then eventually through sort of the internet community of, of wrestling criticism and yeah. chat and fandom, I've become really, um, really tight with um mvp and, and mark henry mark's the man yeah the main event <laughs> did you work a lot with mvp because you, when you were there that was kind of MVP's start yeah, right i did i wrote i weekly contributed and wrote and produced the anders the mr kennedy mvp unlikely friendship slash um feud they were tag you know they they kept being put together as unlikely partners mm-hmm. and yeah. then they but they you know, couldn't stand each other. That was sort of the story we were telling. So those dudes, and you know, for a while after that, um, I kept in touch with Mr. Kennedy for a little bit. We haven't talked in a long time, but worked a lot with um, MVP. But again, it's like, I was so shy and and like, I had no confidence to like even talk to MVP. Yeah. And now it's like, we look back at it and laugh because it's like, man, we would have had so much fun had we yeah. you know had we had the friendship that we have now back then because we would have been able to sit down and like really like dig into these segments and stuff yeah that's how were i feel you, about my college days yeah right yeah yeah it's like what were you the, the one that were you the one that gave uh the okay to set mvp on fire i was involved in the inferno match yeah no it's your I fault always, you're saying. i he yeah we always <laughs> we always bust balls about that and, and um he i always he claims he was wearing a similar uh he was wearing similar gear in developmental i say he wasn't i say he was just wearing biker shorts but my idea basically coming into the job i'm a philadelphia you'll like this i was a i'm a huge philadelphia sports fan huge eagles fan and in 2006 we were dealing with the terrell owens situation yep. he was doing the push-ups in the driveway and he was if, if you watched all those crazy videos of him he was always in neck to ankle under armor right it was like the it was like the first yeah um the first time we saw like the long sleeve you know yeah under armor. so my thing was we need a to coming into the job i was like i want to build a a to type character who's always on the phone with his agent blah 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 and they're like oh we have a guy in developmental like basically doing that so i went down to kentucky ovw and like you know, met him and saw what he was doing. And then me and Dusty and the T and the SmackDown team, like we put together that whole story of MVP and, you know, who's his agent going to be and coming out through the tunnel and wearing the eye black and, you know, and the seamstresses turned what we said, which was let's have him in TO style, all, you know, one, you know, yeah. monochrome, uh, like Under Armour tights they turned it in to make him look like a power ranger Uh, (laughs) and with like a zipper down the middle, whatever MVP always says, like I was already wearing that stuff in developmental. I don't know. You know, memories are, it was a long time ago, Uh but nonetheless, that, that was sort of the, the nugget that I came in with and and I merged it with something he was already doing and doing insanely well. And it turned into that whole story. And the original end to the story was that 
Teddy Long was going to be his agent and that it was going to be like a Teddy Long heel turn as like, you know, he was playing both sides of the coin. I'm the GM of SmackDown, but I'm also yeah. representing this high price free agent. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, now I'm leaving my post as GM and I'm, I'm just going with MVP, but then, you know, Teddy couldn't take bumps and there was just like no upside to having Teddy as, as a working manager. Yeah. And so we never really paid off the, the whole story of who MVP's agent was and, and that whole thing. So uh, yeah. those are the type of things that happen in with WWE. But um, anyway, yes, worked a lot with, uh, with uh, MVP. And I'm That's so, nice. so proud to see like him come back and have this yeah. run yes. and just be like a major player and, and mouthpiece and get guys over. And I mean, yeah. Omos with MVP as his mouthpiece. I mean, the sky's the limit. You brought up Dusty twice. Did you have any interactions with him? Oh yeah, man. The be- that was literally the best part of the job. I said it the day I was fired and I went back to get all my stuff and said my goodbyes. I, I hugged Dusty and I said, you were the best part about this job. That's um, awesome. He was the best. I mean, these were the day. I don't know necessarily how it works now, but these were the days of you have a raw writing team. They have Michael Hayes at the, at the head of the table. You have the SmackDown writing team. You have Dusty Rhodes at the head of the table. You have the ECW um, writing team. You have Paul Heyman at the head of the table. So you had one daily sort of worker who could, who was there to sort of book the physicality and, and help you book yeah really to book the show whereas and then you would go write what he was booking is how it went and dusty was just i mean to like drive in a limo with dusty roads from like topeka to wichita <laughs> and just like be able to ask him stories and ask you know ask him questions and have him i mean he everything was exaggerated and he, of course in his head he was still world champion it was that mentality <laughs> like right one, yeah. once been world champion that 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 mindset never leaves you and so like walking through the airport like he demanded full service attention from the airport staff and he demanded the golf cart and his you know he didn't really ever roll you know he didn't roll his bags and you know and he he taught us like the you know all the the car road trip um making the towns etiquette and yeah it's the funny i mean we would sit in the writer's room waiting for Vince for hours to come in for our meeting. These are legendary stories you hear on a million podcasts with a million ex writers that, you know, you sit and you wait until Vince shows up and we would just pop ourselves by, by going on early YouTube and pulling up old dusty matches and have dusty like do live sort of commentary directors cut for us at this like live at the table. Like it was the six of us or whatever and dusty and we would play like the chamber of horrors where Abdul the Butcher is supposed to get electrocuted. And he's like, oh, that's good shit, buddy. That was good shit. And he was like telling us, you know, he would like break it down and tell us to like rewind and be like, see that over there? Like, here's what happened. Yeah. He, you know, he'd really give us the director's cut and and he would take credit for the good things and 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 say, you know, the, the things that were bad. He would explain why they were actually good. Um, he was just hilarious. And he was like naked a lot. I just have a vivid memory of like bringing him a script and he was like in cowboy boots and not much else. Jesus. What's up, buddy? Yeah. Oh, yes. Sir. Let's so, hear it. It was you great. Got- I mean, I'm a huge, like I said, I've been watching wrestling since 86. Yeah. In the Philadelphia area at that time, you got the WWF Saturday shows, but then at noon, 
you put on PHL 17. Yes, sir. You got, you got NWA worldwide and you know, that was the real shit. And That's so crazy. <laughs> I, I'm a huge flare, you know, vintage flare, dusty Mark. And so it was huge. It was, yeah. it was really incredible. It was like being, it was like working on SNL, you know? Yeah. Right you're you're around and then all the other like talk about all the other legends i mean you go to tv and it's like arn anderson's there and ricky steamboat's there and <laughs> dean malenko is there and mike rotundo and sergeant slaughter and they're all just walking around and it was like it was like you're it was like the wrestling magazines come to life yeah right that's, that's crazy awesome. and as a fan like you were there's nothing better you know yeah. And it, again, it's like, again, got the job way too early. Cause again, if it was like in my thirties and yeah. I just would have been able to ask such better questions and have like yeah. a better appreciation for like the knowledge that they, you know, I was sort of, I was just intimidated to talk to most of them. Yeah. Right. But like I would have sought out Gerald Briscoe and been like, tell me, you know, like, can I drive yeah. you to the airport? Like, you know, I would have done all those things, but I just had, you know, I yeah. had no, I was 25. I didn't know. Yeah. I was just trying, I was just trying to survive. Yeah. Yeah. What was that the dynamic? You could just go up to any of them and kind of pick their brain on anything. I mean, you could, but yeah. it was like, it was risky because if you fucked up, yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it's a shark, it's a, sh it's shark infested waters. It's a political minefield. So like mm. you could, you know the it, the perception of you palling around with a legend could get turned on you in an instant it could be like look at this guy who's this guy think he is like you know there's yeah. a lot of that like you really just had to tow like a really careful line like if you were sitting down in the bleachers with a wrestler with like a superstar going over a promo like someone somewhere would turn that around on you and be like you know look you're 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 um you're his boy yeah or like you're you're trying to curry favor with the boys and you're you know you're trying to get you know you're you're, you're trying to uh yeah so you're playing favorites yeah it was there's basically. there was just like a negative side to any you couldn't win yeah political but again all these dudes come out of the system now and they're like best friends with all the you know like brian gortz who I love and worked with, he, you know, he's like best friends with, he like works for the rock now yeah. and he's like yeah. best friends with edge and Christian. And it's just like, that was just not my experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did, did, did well, that environment, like that political kind of maneuvering set you up? Like, did you learn anything from that going forward after your time in WWE? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, like to be self-critical i think again i came from a comedy background and and um i wanted to sort of bring that i, I kind of wore that as a badge of honor in that job and i wanted to bring that to the work that i was doing and and so because i came from sort of com a comedy background like yeah there, there was a lot of um comedy and joking around in our personal writers meetings and then in the tv production meetings you know like i mean to it was a sight to see to watch brian gortz sitting at the head of the table with vince and kevin dunn and and michael hayes and you know going over the show and and doing impressions of everybody in the room and cracking jokes that cra that popped vince and so 
I would see that and be like, Oh, I can do that. And, yeah. you know, and so I took, I probably took some liberties that, um, somebody like Brian who had earned the respect to do that. I probably took some liberties of like in confidence with some wrestlers who I thought, you know, I was cool, like a hundred percent cool with like do an impression of a wrestler, but then that gets mm-hmm. back. Then it's just like that word gets out and it's like, who, yeah. who this what that new guy, you know, right. like I just didn't have the gravitas to, yeah. So I, I kind of misjudged that kind of thing. And then also like guys like Michael Hayes, like I didn't realize the extent to which like that was their life. Right. He like Michael Hayes, since he's a teenager has been in the wrestling business and he's never known any other life. And so to shit on something wrestling related in his presence where everybody might laugh, Michael Hayes is like, yo, that's my love. You know, like he took it, he would take it personally and so that it's things like that. It's just like learning. It's almost like new, like working in a newsroom, like, just, you know, you kind of have to earn your, you have to earn your, uh, your freedom to be a sarcastic fuck, you know, like you can't just yeah. come in hot making jokes and doing impressions of people. Thank you for tuning in once again. Part two of this interview will drop very soon. Hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter at the UW pod and Instagram at UW podcast. We do have a YouTube channel. Log on to YouTube. Check out the interviews. A lot of good ones. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Check us out on the web at uwpod.com. You've got mail. Or send us an email. We really don't know what we're dealing with here, man. Info at uwpod.com. Universal Wrestling Podcast. Nobody does it better.